catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Sports Ethos Chicago Bulls coverage show. I am your host, Keith Cork, and I'm joined here by my co-host, Mr. Trey Hill. Uh, after a lengthy absence here to talk about all things Bulls, um, I'm excited, man. Season is about a month and a half away at this point. Obviously, nothing, you know, no, no camps have started yet or anything like that, so nothing super-duper newsworthy. We've got the FIBA World Cup happening right now. Uh, where Team USA just uh, dropped one to Lithuania not too long ago, so that's kind of disappointing. But we have some basketball going on, at least, Trey. Uh, first of all, how have you been, my friend? And uh, any any uh, well, let me let me put this to you: Is there any like big shifts in what you're thinking about this Bulls team between now and uh, the last time we talked, just like two months ago? Um, no, nothing's really changed with the Bulls. I, I'm still happy with the Carter pickup and. It's just expectations heading it. Really, it's about seeing where things fold when training camp starts. But I, I don't think anything's really changed. Really, honestly, I feel like when we left off, we were kind of waiting on Harden, Lillard, those kind of trades to drop. Yeah. And then the NBA landscape is going to shake up a little bit, and then we'll kind of know where things stand. And with those things having not dropped yet, we're, the NBA is still kind of in a standstill. Yeah. Uh, but during that so. standstill, I've noticed the, there has been a ton of interest in this World Cup. Have you noticed that as well? It's all over the place. And honestly, like, I'll be I'll be straight with you. I haven't watched actually a single game. I've just been watching the highlights and kind of watch, you know, following on Twitter, obviously, what people are saying. And uh, I, I'm pretty happy that, you know, Anthony Edwards is balling out. He's one of my guys in fantasy I wanted to kind of grab early this year. But it looks it's looking like that door is probably already closed before the season even starts. So. Um, but yeah, Halliburton, I know, is like statistically leading the team uh, in a number of categories. Brandon Ingram's had a disappointing FIBA, but I mean, how much stock can you really put into FIBA? I mean, it's not the same game, you know, that's that's a, a oh, I, person. I don't put any, I, I haven't watched a single second of it. I, I mean, other than a few highlights here and there. Mm. I just thought it was funny that when they announced the NBA Cup that's happening in the middle of the season, everyone was like, oh, this is too complicated. I don't understand what's going <laughs> on. Yeah. And now we we are watching literally the same thing happen, and everyone is just all gung ho about it. So that's really what I enjoyed about how happy everyone is to have this FIBA World Cup going on. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. And I actually don't think I've ever gotten your uh, take on the on the. I think we actually we might have talked about it last episode, but the midseason tournament. Uh, I mean, I'm excited. The games that matter a little bit more. Something to break up the the season. I mean, what's the what's I this think like? it is the hugest of wins. The yeah. hugest of wins. So. Fun. I mean, worst worst case scenario, 
uh, if you make the championship game. So, so all of the games are regular season games except the championship games. So people who say, well, these games don't matter, they, they do matter because they're regular season games. So they matter in that sense. So other than the champ, but even if you make the championship game, you get like five days in Vegas yeah. in the middle of the season. That's a huge win to be able to just rest for five days in one spot, have a little mini vacation. Yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, there's a lot of cool things going on. I mean, obviously there's a monetary incentive as well. I mean, once you get to that game, it's not like you're trying to lose it all of a sudden. So I think it's going to be fun. People need to like shove it, shove it, and stop complaining. <laughs> I think it's going to be a, a good time. But um, we we love the playing games. Yeah. I I am I am so excited for three games, two of which are regular season, but we have three games that are just single elimination in the yeah. regular season now, and those. Those games make moments. When buzzer beaters happen, when big plays happen, those are going to be played on highlight reels for the next 10, 20 years promoting this NBA Cup. So, like, the things that happened this year in this thing, it's going to be moments that, like, I know it sounds corny, but moments our kids are watching growing up remembering this NBA Cup with. We're getting ready to watch the history as it happens. How cool is that? It's a lot of fun. So stop resisting change. Get it with the program. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, but speaking of Vegas, spending some time in Vegas, there are some things here uh, on my docket. I want to talk about some of the uh, lines we have out here. We already have um, some over-unders for the win totals. We have some player uh, points per game to- uh, numbers out there. Um, and, you know, we also have some, uh, you know, division winners, championship winners, you know, so some bets that are sitting out there. And, you know, I'm a gamble man. So I uh, want to talk about that with you, Trey, and see what your thoughts were. Now, let me talk about first first and foremost, the one the bet that I actually do have out there right now is the Bulls over 37.5 wins. And that's minus 110. I took it on BetMGM. I'm pretty sure that's widely available. And look, I'm going to give you my thoughts on this so far, but let me just ask you first, Trey. I mean, where do you lean on this? I I think, you know, as homers are probably leaning on it anyways, but over under 37.5 wins. I'm hammering the over. How many many wins did they have last year? I don't have it in front of me. Uh, It was 40, right? 41, 40? No, I think it was 40, right? Uh, Chicago Bulls. The Bulls uh, had terrible luck regression last year, which, granted, they had great luck the year before, but they they went in the the first half of the season. They were in a... uh, 40 and 42. 40 and 42. The first half of the season, they were just kind of waiting on Lonzo. They didn't have a point guard that that fit their needs. They got one the second half of the season. They finished the season 11 and 6. That's a sick, it's like a 640 winning percentage, if I remember correctly when I did the math. That would have put them, I think, as like the the fourth seed. I don't expect them to be a four seed in the Eastern Conference, but I, I definitely don't expect them to regress three games. Having that point guard from the start, having Zach back healthy on his knee and confident in it, and just another year of development from Patrick Williams and Kobe White. Yeah, yeah, I don't see why. Uh, so here's why I think this this uh, line is where it's at. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4:55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, 
and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Okay. I think there's a lot of smoke here between uh, Levine being shopped around, people talking about the Bulls going into rebuild mode. And we, you and I just know that's not happening. It's just not going to happen. The Bulls are going to try out this team again for another season. They're going to see where it goes. I think when DeMar's contract's up here, I mean, they just re-upped on Vooch because they had no other choice. Once DeMar's contract's up, that's kind of when they have a little bit of flexibility, maybe. Um, but they just, you know, gave Zach Levine a huge contract. I mean, they're not they're not tanking. It's just not going to happen. I mean, I mean, we both <laughs> say we, we know they're not. But say Zach gets hurt or DeMar gets hurt and the Bulls are, are 10 and 24 getting ready oh, to go yeah. into the All-Star break. Sure, the, sure. I can see them and trading off the pieces, and I guess you can, you know, that that's the the bet against it. But I don't see that happening. I I think this team is is again. I think this is a really well built team. I think the Lonzo injury lasting as long as it has really set the team back. Not only lasting as long as it has, but for for as much money also bringing new players in. So they're just now able to pivot and really get a guy in with Carter who complements these yeah. guys well at that point guard spot. I love I love Javon. I know we've talked about in the last episode, but I love Javon Carter. A good three-point shooter, a good on-ball defender, just a dog on defense. I mean, uh, he fits he fits what we need really well. I mean, obviously, Patrick Beverly played that role last season. And um, I think they're, you know, if not slightly better, I think Javon's at least equal to Patrick Beverly, despite the, um, you know, uh, he doesn't really have the cachet around the league, right? Now people aren't looking at him that way, but with, I think with the Vegas, uh, with the Vegas theme, uh, over under Carter's catch and shoot three point percentage at forty four percent for this season, upcoming season. Um, no, this last season. Oh, last season. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go over. You're you're wrong, sadly. He uh, only shot forty three point nine percent from three. Uh, <laughs> in the 91 uh, percentile though an a yeah, grade according, yeah. according to basketball index i know he had a really good uh like few you know like a month or something there where he was just shooting lights out and uh was looking really good and he was filling in for an injured uh, drew holiday so um i, I love it i mean i love this guy obviously a Chicago and, guy, so so yeah i would also want to be remiss if i didn't point out most he shoots better above the break He's not a corner specialist. He is an above-the-break specialist. So that spacing that the Bulls desperately need yeah. for DeMar to operate there in the middle, he's he's able to provide that. And Torrey Craig, too. I mean, we you know, the other signing from the last season. And I think just in general, um, and I don't know, not above the break, I'm sorry, not above the break, but, but from the corners shooting threes. I know he had a really good percentage last season. It was significantly higher than his career average. So uh, there should probably be a little regression there. But, you know, historically – He's been a um, average to above average shooter from there. So, uh, you know, I think they added shooting finally, which is something we all knew they needed. And it's a better team. I think, you know, in general, when we look at this win total, 37.5, um, you know, it, it's just feeding into this, reg- this sentiment that I see across the entire NBA landscape where people just forget that the Bulls got better. Like the, they don't they, they can't accept that the Bulls actually improved over the offseason. I'm not saying they're drastically improved, Trey, but I think ultimately, like you said, we had a point guard here. We can shift people to where they need to be. Um, I think you know it's an improvement. We improved over last season. Yeah, uh, I mean to put it in a, a boxing term, that Lonzo injury was get, like getting just rocked at the very end of the round, and we we got up at an eight count. But even at the start of the next round, we were still wobbly, and we were just lucky to get through it. And that's what I felt like the Bulls were doing last year. They were just trying to make it through that next round. 
and get through without things blowing up so much that Zach was demanding a trade or, or DeMar was, you know, telling him behind the scenes he was ready to get out of there. So for me, I know this isn't where we wanted the team to be, but in terms of team building, I, I can't even really hate on the coaching. I feel like they've put this team in the best position to succeed. The the breaks just haven't gone their way. And I think they're, they've set themselves up really nicely to, to start out strong this year. Let me ask you this one through 30, <clears throat> where were the bulls ranked in win percentage in clutch games last season? One through 24th. 30. Very close. They were 27th, 27th wow. in win percentage in clutch games. Now the season before that, where do you think one through 30? Oh, I'm going to say first close. I mean, they're, they're fourth. So, so obviously, you hope they land somewhere in between those two, and that's really all I need to be able to bet over 37.5. But, yeah, I mean, all those other things you mentioned, I mean, obviously, Bulls adding some pieces that are really much needed in this in this team. Uh, They have that traded or that disabled player exception. They might be able to use midseason for a guy if they want to. Um, Not 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 gonna hold my breath that they're going to at this point, but maybe they will. Uh, and, you know, again, I think they're just locked into Zach Levine and they're, they're locked into this core, honestly, for one more season. So. Uh, so, yeah, I like that over for sure. Um, but, you know, let's let's kind of transition here and look kind of. Well, let me ask you this, actually, because I was thinking about it while we were talking there. Lonzo Ball, I don't know if you saw uh, the interview. I can't remember who it was with, but he was talking about how the Bulls had created that team just for him. Basically, and it was the first time he felt like it was a team that he could really excel in. That, that made me so sad, man, because, like, I, I don't know if the guy ever plays basketball again at the NBA level. But, um, you know, again, speaking to what you were saying, you know, huge loss for the Bulls, huge loss for Lonzo, because they were looking really good in that half a season they had everybody. It It is. It's really sad. I, I'm i glad that he appreciates it the same way we did, though. Like, the way we talk about how they built that team was just built for Lonzo. To know that while they were out there, while it was happening, he knew in the moment that, hey, this is this is it for me. This is my, you know, I'm not comparing the two, but when KD went to Golden State to play that Nirvana basketball, that basketball that was just perfect for him, this was Lonzo's version of it. And it, it sucks that it got cut short, but I, I'm glad that it sounds like at, even in the moment he was able to appreciate it and recognize what was going on. Yeah. So um, sad times, but you know it is what it is. We rebound. I think the Bulls will be better than 37.5 for sure. Uh, I haven't given up, man. He's gonna he's gonna do the Sean Livingston. He's gonna play 10, <laughs> 12 minutes a game yeah. off the bench, and he, yeah. he's just gonna be that KG veteran with that playmaking vision. He's got. We are not giving up on Lonzo Ball over here. No. Uh, well, I, I don't want to give up all completely, but I have some serious doubts. We'll see how it goes. Uh, Bulls are plus 17,000. To win the uh, NBA championship, I am not betting that. Absolutely not. Uh, I don't think that. I don't think there's. Uh, there's probably at least five teams I'd put above the Bulls to have better, you know, uh, odds of winning here, and probably realistically eight or nine teams that are probably uh, in a better position to win. Do, the NBA do you? I'm gonna put you on the spot. Do you have the odds for the Eastern Conference Finals? Um, I have the odds for conference finalists. Yeah, I do. Let's see here. Now, do you want both teams? Or do you just want a team just to make the Bulls. it? To- if the Bulls, uh, for the Bulls to make it to the conference finals. I don't know. I don't have that one, unfortunately. I don't. I do have uh, the division winners, and the Bulls are plus 3,000 there. Uh, Bucks are minus 230. Cavs are plus 200. Pacers are plus 3,500. Um, what, what do you think about that one? What do you think about our division here? We obviously got the Bucks, Cavs, Bulls, Pacers, Pistons in our division. Um, you know, who, who got better there? 
and who got worse, and what do you feel about those odds? I mean, the Bucks have to feel good that Lopez came back. It sounds like he was really leaning towards going to the Rockets before he pivoted uh, nice last minute. For the Rockets. So, yeah. Uh, I think they stayed strong, but Giannis has them on notice. And yeah. for me, the Cavs added – Was did they add Struess? Um, yeah, they have Struess, I believe, Cavs. Uh, I think they added Struess, uh, and I like that addition. If that's, yeah, if, yeah he's, if on, I'm, he's on Cavs. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. Um, I've, been play, I've been playing a lot of 2K doing fantasy <laughs> drafts, so yeah. I wanted to make sure I had that right. Um, I like that addition for them, but with Rubio being out – yeah. I know he didn't play. I just I really like him as a backup and as a mentor and not being around that that's a a negative. But I feel like after they after the Cavs I mean, I hate to say they embarrassed themselves, but Jared Allen kinda kind of said that. So I don't feel as bad saying they they did not have a good showing in the playoffs. I kind of expect that team to come out firing on all cylinders. And if I had to place a bet, I'd I'd bet the Cavs to win the division. I'm not as I mean I think you know I think the Bucks comfortably win this division. I really think they're going to have a rebound year. I think like you said, Giannis, you saw his comments uh, putting putting the uh, Bucks on notice saying, you know, things got to change around here this season or else I'm basically out of here. But um, you know, I, I do give it to him. I think you know if you if you're to give a dark horse, uh, I'd actually lean Pacers honestly. And I know the roster right now on paper um, they're not going to get there. But when you look at their cap situation, they have the cap space to go get like a guy like a Paul George. Like the Clippers want to get rid of a Paul George or a Kawhi Leonard. Um, they can go get a guy like that, and they can make the room for that guy. And if that happens, um, I think they for sure have a chance to win win the division. Um, now, when it comes to the Cavs, I am not as high on them as as the general landscape, uh, uh, NBA landscape here. Uh, you know, I think Donovan Mitchell in the playoffs was exposed. You know, not being able to really um, create for his team. I think it, it's really a team thing. It's not just Donovan Mitchell. I shouldn't put it all on him, but. Um, they did need him to step up there like he did for the Jazz when, when they kind of had a stagnant offense and that just didn't happen. Um, you know, the the it just wasn't wasn't a good um, playoff run for them at all. And you know, I think their plan right now with Evan Mobley, which is really their big ace in the hole right now, is he's still like a year or two away from being what they envision him being. Um, they've got Jared Allen still, but from my understanding, they're trying to get him you know bulkier Evan Mobley to play that center position. So right now he's kind of stuck playing a power forward position. So I, I think they're still like a year away from me and a year away. Well, if if you have some Darius Garland stock, I would love to buy it because while I agree that Mitchell got exposed as the number one option having the ball, I think this is the year that Garland really steps into that role in the regular season and then into the playoffs he. He's the guy with the ball in his hands the first 10 seconds, and then Mitchell has it the last 14, whereas I thought this last playoffs it was a lot more just focused on Mitchell, Mitchell, Mitchell. Um, so I'm just – I like the Cavs. I like the I like the roster they have. I'm a big Mobley guy. I also like the Pacers pick, like you said. Uh, for me, I just think Milwaukee is going to be uh, like LeBron when he had been on the Cavs for a while, and you knew they were going to be the team that was at least in the, the – the conference finals, if not the finals, how they would come in as the four, five, six seed, but they would be healthy. And I, I expect after the the health luck they've had the last few years, the Bucks are going to be focused on being healthy. And that opens up an avenue for a team that is focused and determined and hungry like the Cavs or like the Pacers to sneak in there and get that division win. 
Yeah, I do have some futures here. I've got uh, j- just some bets that, you know, I'm going to work off of as we get closer to the end of the season where I've got um, the Pacers winning the championship. By no means do I think the Pacers are going to win a championship. I just uh, I, I'm putting it out there because this is uh, just smart betting. We start a portfolio of winners and we're able to, to hedge those so that we guarantee we make a profit. I think they were sitting out there like plus seven thousand or something like that. And now they're. They've come down a bit. So um, I love you. I love that you mentioned Paul George and Kawhi earlier because I, I was on a show. I think it was last night and we were doing hot takes. And I said we said he said the Clippers weren't going to make the plan. And he talked me into it very easily. And can you imagine going into that new stadium if they don't make the play in and they have to trade those guys? Uh, you know, the funny thing is I can imagine it because it's just like, what do you do? It's very easy to imagine. But right. Wow. Yeah. Just wow. That'd be, I mean, it'd be terrible for 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 you know Clippers fandom. That's the Brooklyn Nets all over again. Yeah, but um, but no, it's you know, I, I could see it happening because it's just like, what do you do in that situation? Like your your two stars, they don't play set you know 82 games. I mean, they're just there's no way it's gonna happen. They're gonna sit and play maybe 50 games a piece, and then you know how do you overlap that? I think you could you know manage it smartly, like you know the the Spurs were doing towards the end of Tim Duncan's career, but um. It's just not an ideal situation. You want you want some young talent there. The and... talent level is high. The floor is higher. The yeah. the West is so deep that before, yeah, you could and especially with the play in tournament and then only being the top six seeds, before you can rest your guys and go into the you know kind of coast into the playoffs. You can't do that anymore. The talent level really. is just too yeah. high. And you've got the play in now where it's like you can finish seventh or eighth, but then you still got to play to get into the playoffs. So. Um, you know, I, I like to, I like to play. I, I think people undervalue that part of the play-in. Where I mean, great, you're seventh or eighth seed. That's that's cool. I mean, you know, I'm happy for you, and you have an advantage in those games. But you still have to. I mean, you still have to to fight to get in. I, I think it's a really good uh, strategy because then that discourages people sitting guys. Um, you know, like we're talking about here. So, um, but yeah. So back to the Bulls though, <laughs> and we're talking about the division here. Um, so you know, we're talking about this, and I think you know, you and I both generally agree that. You know, you, maybe the Bucks take a step back or something, but I think, you know, in nine out of ten times we're putting the Bucks over the Bulls even. I mean, it's outside of a doomsday scenario, right? So if there's something terrible yeah. that happens, then, you know, obviously. You unless, Giannis there, get, but... unless Giannis gets hurt. That's yeah. the only, that is the only thing. Exactly. And then, you know, obviously we're talking about the Cavs. I mean, I'm a little lower on them, but I still put them healthy ahead of the Bulls. And then the Pacers, I think, you know, even if they don't add that piece that we're talking about, they could take a step forward too and, and, and leap the Bulls here. So, um, you know, realistically, the Bulls could end up fourth in the Central Division. I mean, the Pistons are not going to leapfrog us, that's for sure. Uh, they're going to be terrible again. But, uh, you know, that's three out of four. Oh, teams, no, those, the teams. play in Pistons. The play, yeah, well, they, they could make the play in, I suppose. But three out of five teams, at least, are comfortably ahead of the Bulls here. So, you know, where we put, where's that putting us in the Eastern Conference in general? Uh, you know, obviously, you've got, you know, we put those three above them. And then you've got the Heat, obviously, above us, because they're probably going to get Lillard, so that's four teams. And then you've got the Hawks probably above us. I think I think they're going to have a bounce back season. No, <laughs> you disagree. Okay, well that, that, that's five teams I would personally put above us. So so best case scenario, sixth seed in the East. Does that sound about right? I've got the Bucks, Celtics, well, Celtics 76ers, Sixers, Cavs. Um, I think this is the year. No, I got the Knicks too. They still got the good mojo. So I got five right there, and that has. I think I think the Bulls. Whether it's the Heat or the Nets, whoever gets Lillard, they're going to be better than the Bulls. The other team I don't think will be better than the Bulls. But So add a team for there. That's six. I think they're better than the Hawks. I think they're better than the Raptors. 
I think they're right there with the Pacers. So that's seven. I think they're right there in that seven, eight, nine spot in the in the East. Yeah, I I, and I, I forgot about the other division. So apologies, Boston Celtics fans, Sixers fans. But yeah, I have eight teams. I think above the Bulls comfortably, honestly. So ninth. So so you're playing for ninth, maybe. I mean. But, you know, you play the games. I mean, I'm not saying that they should tank or they shouldn't try to win. I think um, they could end up higher than that, obviously. Anything can be possible. So, um, But I, th- I do think, you know, for me, I'm, I'm putting the Celtics above them, Sixers, I'm putting the Knicks above them, I'm putting the Bucks, Cavs, and I'm putting, mm, you know what, I'm not going to put the Pacers above them. So I'll put the Heat above them, though, um, and, and I'll put the Hawks above them. So I'll put seven above. So I think eighth is like the best case scenario. Oh, you think that's the best case scenario? I really, I really do, because I think the Pacers could leave them. Um, I don't think the the Wizards are gonna suck. The Hornets probably not. I don't know. I'm I'm pretty in on the Hornets this season, honestly, with Miles Bridges coming back from you know the domestic abuse thing and uh, Lamelo being healthy, hopefully all season. So I, I I think they're a dark horse, but I still probably put the Bulls ahead of them. Magic, I still put the Bulls ahead. Um, Nets are going to be not that great. Uh, Raptors, like you said, they're probably going to trade Pascal or OG, so I, I don't think they're going to be good either. So, Best case scenario, Harden gets shipped out of Philly, so they're better than Philly. They're better than the Knicks because the Knicks have been on that Thibs treadmill of playing, you know, tons of minutes, Harden, you know, all that. Um, the Nets, they're better than. The Hawks, they're better than. And... We'll still say the Heat are better than them, assuming they get Lillard. But I think I think best case scenario, I you could see them slip out of the play in and into the playoffs as that six seed. I think a six seed would be the best case scenario if everything broke right for them. That's the highest they could get. Huh. Well, obviously you play the games and you see. Um, I don't put it out of their own possibility. I think it's going to be an uphill battle to get there though. That's that's my feeling on it. Um, oh yeah, I I. I I think if you ran a thousand simulations, that happens like 10 times. Yeah. So I, I do not think that's likely, but it, it's just something like if I tried to paint the rosiest picture I could, that's the rosiest picture I can paint. And it's kind of sad considering we were the one seed for like the first half of the season just a few years ago. And now we're like, man, is a six seed really too optimistic? And it might be. <laughs> So, you know, maybe the Bulls eke out, uh, let's see, if they, if they end up with the 8th or ninth seed, that's 41 wins last season. And then the season before that, that's uh, 43, 44 wins. So somewhere, yeah, that, that sounds about right. Somewhere in that 40 to, to 44 win total range, I think. That's probably a, an accurate portrayal of where the Bulls are going to end up. You know, barring, a, of course, any cataclysmic event or uh, our huge trade. Uh, if they run with this squad, I think that's that's pretty realistic there. Um so let's talk about, though, uh, with, you know, you mentioned a name there that I do want to talk to you about. And you said Harden gets shipped out. And so that is a name here that I've been monitoring. And I've kind of thrown this around a little bit as the Bulls being a dark horse to go get James Harden. And uh, I think we talked about this a little bit on the last episode, maybe. I can't remember exactly. But uh, I know you were probably against it. But, you know originally I was thinking, no, here's what you're going to be really against. And, and I'm going to, I'm just going to go, go ahead and just make you angry now. Uh, what about a, a scenario where we trade Zach Levine for a DeMar, for a uh, James Harden, and then some, obviously some other assets coming back. But uh, what, what do you feel about that kind of trade scenario? 
I mean, if you're going to trade for Harden Sacks, the guy that, that has to go. So you're definitely not making me mad on that front. It would have been you would have made me more upset if you shipped out Patrick Williams. Because I feel like you have to keep him with uh, yeah. the rise in defense he has. And uh, fun fact, he shot 46% from the corner last year. Almost 50% from corner three. Not bad. Yeah. Uh, what I hate – so our ownership is already cheap. We we mm-hmm. know this. They're, they are not going to want to go into the luxury tax. So Harden is wanting a lot of money on his mm-hmm. next contract. I don't I don't want the Bulls to trade for Harden and then have to to cut corners everywhere and the talent on this team that I do like and I do think there is a lot of talent I think this is a very well built team that if you did just like Zach for Harden straight up I think you yeah. could really turn that into a pseudo contender like I think that's right. a team that could make the Eastern Conference Finals yeah yeah. And, um, and I would but it's want a team you have to, to invest in, and I don't believe the Bulls would do that, so you can't talk me into it. But if you can <laughs> talk me into the Bulls investing and going all in on that, I actually really like the idea of it for the next, like, three or four years. Right. Well, the thing is, you know, not only do you get arguably – I mean, in some ways. Let's say in some ways a better player in James Harden. Like, he's a better distributor. Um, you know, he's a better guy getting to the rim, getting to the, to the, to the he line. led the league in assists last year. I think it's, yeah. it's not, it's not outrageous to say it's, that he is still a better player than Zach right now. Right. And, and, and you, and you can have your own feelings about whatever. And, you know, may, I don't even like James Harden either. I'll tell you guys that right now. I'm not, I'm not a big James Harden fan, but I do respect that he has a really good you know, offensive game. I think defensively he can be suspect, but we've got Zach Levine. Zach Levine is already that way on the defensive end. I don't see a major step back from there. And Harden's actually an underrated defender, in my opinion. He's got a lot of strength. He's able to hold his own against big, larger um, offensive players. So um, I think you make your team better and you get out from that Zach Levine situation. Harden maybe gets gets happy i think the the issue here is like you said harden's looking for his payday i don't think the bulls want to give that to him it would have to be like a one-year rental type thing so like the bulls would basically be just be doing it to get out of the zach Levine money if they wanted to just say okay we're done let's go ahead and restart this thing let's go get james harden on the remainder of his deal and then let him go somewhere else or do a sign trade or something like that and then we're just going to run with harden uh you know um who would run the two uh it would i would love to figure out who the shooting guard is but and then damar uh patrick williams and Vooch as, as the starting lineup, right? So, um, I mean, you probably I, have Carter still out there with Harden, so he can guard yeah. the point guards and yeah, he can knock true. down those those shot those spot up threes. That's true. That's true. That's not it's not a bad that's not a bad and maybe even Kobe White if you want to have more offense out there, um, running the two slash one. I mean, they're kind of interchangeable. So, um, I wouldn't dislike it. I I would actually be okay with it. Absolutely. I just don't like I said. I don't think. Um, the Bulls aren't going to give them that payday. It would just be a rental if they do it, and it would just be like literally admitting defeat. And I don't see this ownership doing that. I don't see Masai doing that. I, I think I think if I think if they do that and it's a one year rental, they also trade Demar and probably Vooch that off that same off season, right? And they just go yeah, to full exactly. rebuild at that point. Exactly. Exactly. So it's just a reset button basically, but you get one year of exciting basketball, and then we go all that. in for Cooper Flag. Yeah. You get to, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So I don't dislike that. Um, I think it's I think it's be smart, but I don't I, like you said I'm in the boat with you where I don't see it happening. It's just a fun thing to entertain, I think. So I was curious to see what your your thoughts were there. Um, and if there are no suitors for Harden, you might be able to talk him into a one year max extension. Yeah, I mean that's I mean look at uh, Kyrie. I mean Kyrie got a better deal than I thought he would get, but nobody wanted Kyrie. I think the Mavericks didn't have to give him as much money as they did, but um, but they did. But he, they're still getting him theoretically on a bargain based on what his skill level is. So, 
Um, I mean, he he's out here promoting Nazi propaganda. I, well, okay. I feel like I feel like he he is damaged goods. It is it is fair for them to get a little bit of a discount for keeping that crazy around. Yeah, and they could have gotten a steeper discount. Is what I'm saying. They probably should have. So <laughs> it, it is what it is. I guess Cuban decided to pay him, and uh, we move on with our lives. Um, there are some numbers out here though, also for points per game, which I'm curious to get your thoughts on here. Um, they've got DeMar DeRozan. I'm looking at DraftKings right now. they got DeMar DeRozan at 24.1 points per game. Um, and it's juiced to the over there. So, And I'm trying to see pull up his numbers from the last two seasons here uh, quickly so I can compare. I'm going I'm going under, I think. Just knee-jerk reaction. So last season, it was 24.5 points per game. The season before that was just a historic season for him, obviously. 27.9 uh, points per game. So he's not going to replicate that. Let's see, he's gone under in uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 out of 11, no, 10 out of 13 seasons where he had a starting role. So, yeah, I think I would probably lean towards the under there. Um, Let's see, what would have to happen for him to go under? Because he shot 50.4% from the field last season, and that was third highest. You said said it's 24 what? 24.1. I mean, he... That only has to go down point, um, a half a point. He has to go down a half a point next year. So, I mean, Kobe White only averaged 9.7 points. So if if Kobe White averages 11 points a game and he gets it from DeRozan, that's all it takes. Um, Patrick Williams only averaged 10 points a game. Patrick Beverly only averaged 5.8. We hope that Carter can at least knock down a couple threes. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of places. Zach had 24 points. I think this is. I think healthy Zach. This is the year I think Zach takes over, and he's the guy averaging 25, 26, 27 a game. Um, he shot his second. No, sorry, his third best from the field, uh, three point percentage wise, uh, 32.4%. So you know, not terrible. I don't think there's going to be a huge regression there. Obviously, we've seen that add to his game recently. Um, I think he's going to end up around there too. 1.9 three-point attempts a game, which is tied for third highest of uh, of volume, tied for the year before actually. Um, but yeah, I think you know the field goal percentage it was third highest, but you know I don't see that dropping drastically, but that could also drop. But yeah, I think the thing, the main thing reason that you would bet the under there is um, because, like you said, the usage goes elsewhere. So where else will the usage go? We know that Vucevic resigned with the Bulls with the kind of statement that he wants to have a more active role on the offensive end and i don't disagree with that i think when we saw vooch have the ball last season you and i talked about all season we saw good things happen when the ball started in vooch's hands we see it in fiba now absolutely killing it you know in fiba i see i just see the numbers obviously in the the, uh uh highlight rules but still he is a guy that thrives off of the offense running through him he's able to make you know good passes out of where he gets the ball and he's able to go score if nobody's gonna you know give him the attention that he deserves so um you know i think it's that under is definitely doable here do you think vooch takes a little step forward here uh in the offensive end or do you think that's all just smoke i think he does a little bit but i don't think he does as much as you me or him would like mm-hmm. Uh, I think Zach is the guy who really who really steps forward. And I guess he's already taking the most shot attempts a game, but I just for me I think Zach's the guy who really steps forward. I think Vooch might I think Vooch might actually step forward because they they seem to have a nice two man game 
with Vooch being the playmaker and Zach being the guy who is getting put in good positions to score because Zach being able to score from anywhere when he's going and Vooch being able to put him in good positions, that might be a recipe for success for this team. Um, 18.8 field goal attempt for Vooch when he came over. Um, and obviously there was no DeMar there. And then his uh, field goal attempts per game dropped to 15.8 that next season when DeMar was on the team, obviously. And then last season, what do you think? Over under 15.8? Well, I'm looking right at it. So okay. I, I know it's you under know, you 14. Know 14, yeah. 14 field goal attempts last season. Yeah, that's got to come up a little bit, I think. Um, you know, obviously a really good season from the field last season, 52%. Um, shot it pretty well from from three as well, but uh, regardless of of how well he's shooting, uh, even that season before where he, where he didn't have good percentages, he was getting good shots. Um, it just it, it's just the variability of those of those shot attempts, right? They just were clanging off the rim when they should have gone in, and that just happens sometimes. So um, also saw his, his free throw percentage come up a little bit as well. So yeah, I do th- I do think he um, recovers a little bit here. I think you know. Uh, you can make a case for Zach being more of an alpha, and I think that's fine. I think that more has to do with, um, you know, coming down to the to the wire in clutch situations of basketball games. And of course, I opt for that because he's the younger player, the one's going to theoretically be around in the Bulls longer. I don't really think we need to put all eggs in the uh, you know Demar Derozan basket again. I wouldn't want to see that happen. So it, it's just not you know where does Demar fit on a team then you know that that's the question that it becomes because if he's not being that guy that's going to be a usage hog and getting clutch shots where is his value I mean I think his value is I think he's still the isolation guy mm-hmm. and I think I'm still comfortable with Demar being the isolation guy at the end of games if we have to have an isolation situation just because I think he he's the best scorer of that. But I like Zach. I think you're right. Zach needs to be the main guy in actions. He needs to be getting the ball on the inbounds with seven seconds left, having Vooch come up, setting him a screen, and then Zach being the one that makes stuff happen, uh, And in my opinion. But I think DeMar's role on this team is is just being the the ISO hunter, the the punishing teams that that have a sharpshooter out there who, who can guard a trash can. And yeah. just being like, okay, you're going to play this guy. I'm going to post him up every single time, and I'm just going to eat you alive. Um, because that's where that's where DeMar really thrives. Whenever he just gets cooking and he he goes like three or four possessions in a row and gets on those runs. Uh, they have Zach Levine's point to- points per game, interestingly enough, set at 25.1, which is .3 over last season. So, uh, you know, I, and look – I think, you know, if you give him those clutch shots and he shoots a little better than he did last season, last season was 37.5 from three, which is his fourth worst um, season from three. And then um, his field goal percentage was um, 48.5, which actually is second best of, of his career, actually. So it wasn't necessarily a bad shooting year for Zach. It's just I don't know how he's going to I mean, he might improve by point three. I think that's possible, but it's not something I would say is probable, honestly. I think he ends up right around the same 20, 24.4 last year or the year before last year. And then last year he was 24.8. So somewhere in that range. So make the case for me. What was the over under? It was 25.1. Uh, I mean, the case is the last half of the year last year, he played 37 games and he averaged 25.8 points a game. Mm. He was so healthy. There's the he case. Did, he did yeah. get healthier. Yeah. 
And we, we saw that. We noticed that as the year went on, that Zach looked better. He looked more confident. And he also got a point guard in there who could play defense and yeah. shoot the three on the other end that, that opened the game up a little bit more for him. Um, yeah. What did he average in assists? 4.2 last year? Um, yeah, 4.2 last year. Okay, so he had, the, he had the, the, the yeah, he had the same amount of assists, but he, he was able to up his points per game. And I think that's just maybe having the better teammates, but I really, really think it's because he just got healthier. He he trusted his body more. And I think we're going to get to see that from the jump. And that's why I'm, I'm confident in the Bulls going over that 37 win total, because I think we, we dog Zach a lot in, uh, I def, you know, we had to give yeah. him the contract, but it's a contract we sigh at. He, he, he made Team USA for a reason. He is a really, really talented basketball player who has a lot of pride. And I think he's going to come out and really try and show everyone why he's so highly thought of in NBA circles. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've, we've said it before many times in the show, but a, th- a real three-level scorer, um, absolutely. Um, and when he was finishing at the rim last season towards the end, down the stretch was when he really upped those those point totals and looked a lot better. Um, as, as the season started, obviously recovering from injuries, uh, just wasn't trusting his body, wasn't able to take the contact. So um, being able to, to go draw the contact, get to the line, uh, but not only that, but also being able to finish without flinching you know, at the rim. I mean, um, those are real things that Zach needs to be able to do to, to have his full value at a basketball court. And so I think that second half of last season, like you said, um, you know, that that's definitely um, case in point of what he can be. And I think we need to stop expecting him to be more. I really do. I don't think, you know, he's not going to be an all world defender. I know we saw him be a, a really good ball Hawk on the team USA team, but again, he's around so much other talent out there that he can kind of get away with some of the mistakes he makes in that scenario. Um, we need to just kind of give up on that. I mean, it's not like, you know, I'm not happy about it. Um, he just is what he is, right? And I think he's a very, very talented three-level scorer. I think if you put him on the Knicks, the Knicks have, you know, interest in him. I think that'd be a fantastic fit for him in a team like that. Um, but, you know, we need to put the pieces around him to be successful, I think. We can't – we need to stop expecting him to do more. That's that's kind of my my whole thing there. I think – I think it's fair to expect him to do more on the defensive end in terms of staying attentive, being aware and not putting his teammates in a position where they're having to cover for him because he fell asleep on the defensive end. I don't, I think you're right. We can't expect him to be that defensive ball Hawk like he was on team USA there for, for a couple months. That's just not Zach's game. It's not how he likes to play. And when he, when he has the offensive load, he wants to have, he's not going to have that to give on the defensive end. Um, so for me, I think, I think in terms of asking more of Zach, it's just that defensive accountability, making sure, because it, it's like with Vooch, basically Vooch isn't a great defender, but he's always in the right spot. He's communicating and he's he's putting his teammates in the best positions to succeed on the defensive end, even with his limitations. We need Zach to be able to do that. And this isn't a line that's out there, but I'm curious to hear. Uh, I'm going to give you an over and under here. Last three seasons, average games played for Zach Levine, 67.3. Uh, so 67 games. Under. Over, under, 67 games played. This under. Season. I If I had to pick a number, I'd say 63. Mm. Uh, what's the cutoff for the awards? Is it 60? 65. 65, okay. Interesting, interesting. Uh, I think you probably get 65, I guess. But yeah, I, I think I'd have to lean the under. 
Um, so many injuries. I mean, he's played one total season in his career, and that was back when he was 20 years old. So that was what one, two, three, four, five, six, seven seasons ago. Um, I mean, he's just not, he's not going to play 82 games. There's no way. Um, I could see him playing 70, but I don't think he's going to play. He's not going to play, you know, 75, 80. Um, there's no way. So uh, I would take the well, other there as well. Mm-hmm. Was the 2021 season the the year they had a shortened season? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, from from okay. COVID. Yeah. Um, let me see here if I can get that up. I believe it. that's the case. Because that was the... he he did play in 77 games last year, 67 the year before. So the now that he's gotten back and seems to be fully back and confident from his injury, I. I'm hoping that the uh, he can shake off that injury. Uh, well, he played. Uh, they played 72 games that season, so he played uh, about 80% of games that season. Which, if you took that by 82, that would be 66 games. So pretty much right on that 67-ish, you know, cost. Right. So. Yeah, so I think you know that's kind of what you're looking at here. Um, that's a good case scenario. I do think I would lean the, the under there. Um, you know, I just think he he does struggle to stay healthy. And then, you know, if they continue to have Demar and Vooch, I hope they start getting smarter about this stuff and sitting those guys here and there and letting the other guys uh, take a, a bigger workload. So we'll see if that happens. Um, all right, any other insights or things you wanted to kind of touch on here, Trey? Any other uh, things you're excited about for the upcoming season or? Not so excited about concerns. Am I just blanking? Who's our backup? Who, I mean, I know we have Andre Drummond. Who's the backup small? Who's our small ball five? Uh, I, I'm gonna. I, I would put that on Tory Craig, honestly. Um, but let's see if I can look up. Can we here. get some Patrick Williams love on there? Patrick yeah. Williams. I think he's gonna be. I think he's gonna be strong enough that if other teams are playing a small ball five, I think he can. I think he can handle it. Yeah, there's nobody else on the team that would. I mean, Terry Taylor's on the team, but he's not gonna. He can. He can rebound the ball. Uh, but no, he's not playing small ball five. Caruso. Caruso will do it. Caruso would do. do ask. Yeah, whatever you need him to do. Uh, Dale and Terry's still on the team. We didn't talk about him at all because he's really not worth talking about. I think we talked about him last episode where uh, the shot's just not there, so there's no point in putting him on the floor. Uh, that's that's going to be the case again this season. Carly Jones, we haven't talked about him at all. He's not going to be a small ball five, but he's interesting um, just based on what he's done this this offseason uh, in FIBA and everything like that. But uh, I'm not expecting a lot there either. So, you know, we, we pretty much know what the rotation is here. I think they could add another body for sure. If they were going to add another body, it'd probably be their board, I would think. I mean, their guards are good. They've got Caruso, uh, who can play guard forward, either one. They've got Levine. They've got Kobe White. They've got Ayo Desunmu, Javon Carter. So you're set there. Uh, forwards, I mean, you've got DeMar DeRozan, Patrick Williams, Torrey Craig. And that's basically – and Patrick Williams, sorry. Oh, I said Patrick Williams. Williams, DeMar DeRozan, Torrey Craig. So that's three guys, you know, covering two positions. And that's about it. Hey, I think you need to add another another body there, honestly. So um, we'll see. I mean, maybe they do, maybe they don't. Uh, Vooch and Drummond, I think that's that's it. You're going to the uh, end of the season with those are your two bigs. We thought Drummond was going to opt out, but he didn't. He opted in, which kind of surprised me a little bit. Did that surprise you? It did, but I'm I'm very glad he's back. He was a treat to have as a yeah. backup big. I thought anytime he was in, he was he was being active, and I mean honestly, I felt like he he was beneficial more often than not. Like he was a plus player in his minutes. 
just I, I don't know about the plus minus, but just in my viewpoint, like anytime he was out there, it seemed like he was having a positive impact. Yeah, he's got his. I mean, he's got flaws in his game, but all in all, as a backup center, uh, I think he could do work worse for sure. I mean, you could be you could be Tony Bradley. <laughs> right, exactly. I, when I say that, I, I guess what I mean is we all know that the, if you're if you're a backup, you're a backup for a reason. Yeah. But you're a backup because you have big faults, but you can also contribute. And it's Andre Drummond contributes by being active, both on the boards and screens, and just kind of being a menace. And he, he did that every time he was out there. Uh, we got something out of him. So yeah. he he's dependable as the backup big. And really, you can't ask for much more than that when you're. You've got your backup on such a low number. Uh, I think he's making what, like two, three, four, like he's making almost minimum money. And to have someone that dependable is just, it's a a really big win for this roster. Yeah. And can I just say, I already missed Javante Green. So I'll just go ahead and put that out there. (laughs) So, but we hopefully we'll get somebody that's kind of high energy to kind of maybe Terry Taylor fills that, that spot. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but, uh, yeah. Uh, well, until next time, guys, I think that's going to do it for us. I am Keith Tork. You can find me on Twitter at, at Ethos Keith. If you guys haven't already checked it out, uh, we're putting out our NFL draft guide slash in-season pass stuff, NFL fantasy pass. Go get it. NFL obviously starts two days from when we're recording now. Um, if you're a fan, if you play fantasy football, it's $4 a month. I mean, it is so cheap. It's ridiculous. And it is uh, super good. And obviously, we'll be dropping our uh, NBA draft guide, also fantasy basketball draft guide here uh, within the next uh, probably 24, 48 hours. Mm, I don't know. Should I drop that in this pod? Probably. Uh, we'll see. Anyways, I'm Keith Gore. Find me on Twitter at EthosKeith. Trey, where can the good people find you and all your work, my friend? Oh, you're on mute. <laughs> try, try one more time. <laughs> No. Okay, go find my guy, uh, uh, Trey, on Twitter, at Final Finally. Uh, go follow him. He does have some good insights there. Until next time, guys, hey, Mike Rowe here with a radical idea. If you want to see more companies make more things in this country, buy more things from more companies who make things in this country. I refer in this case to the incredible t-shirts, sweatshirts, blue jeans, and more made by my friends at American Giant. Everything American Giant makes is made in the United States. And right now, you can take 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com slash Mike. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.